Welcome to Cannabis Health Radio, a podcast where we share stories from people around the world who are using cannabis as medicine. The information is meant to raise awareness about the health benefits of cannabis, but should not be taken as medical advice. Now, here are your hosts, Ian Jessup and Corey Yelland. Thank you for listening to Cannabis Health Radio, wherever you are in this crazy world. I'm Ian Jessup. And I'm Corey Yelland. Imagine this, you're diagnosed with hormone-driven breast cancer. You get a double mastectomy, and then a year later, you're diagnosed with stage 4 lung cancer. That's the bad news. The really good news is that today, there's no evidence of disease, which even astounded her oncologist. And here to tell her story is Nikki Hardy from Mississippi. Nikki, thanks for doing this. We greatly appreciate it. Hi, Nikki, let's, let's start with your breast cancer. Take us back to March of 2017 and tell us the story of your breast cancer. Okay, basically, um, I had always been a very active person. Uh, I was even a fitness competitor, a national fitness competitor for that. I don't think I even shared that with Corey, but I was, I was a very uh, avid fitness professional, and I got uh, even went to Los Angeles to compete in different fitness competitions and won a few, not national level, but other level. But anyway, basically, I was a very fit person, uh, ran t- 10 miles a day at one point and did all the weight, the weights and clean eating and things like that. And that was back in 1996 through 99 that I did competition, fitness competitions. Uh, so fast forward 2017, um, I wasn't, of course, as active, but I still tried to walk and do weights. And I've always just tried to be a fit person as much as possible. So um, what happened was I didn't even discover it. My husband discovered the lump because I'd never had a mammogram ever. And and so we, I was just like, whoa, you know, what is this? And for about five or six months, you know, I didn't do anything, but it was always on my mind. And I was thinking, and my husband kept saying, you need to go to the doctor. You need to get that checked out. You've got to get that, you know, he kept pressing me because I'm just not a doctor person. I just don't ever go. I, I've never been sick that much. So I finally went and, you know, she felt and palpitated and she was like, yeah, it's, it's moving. So I don't think there's anything really to it but I'm going to order a mammogram. And uh, so that's what we did. So I go to get my first mammogram ever. And I think it was the 3d version or I believe. And uh, it came back that, you know, suspicious. So I was immediately sent to get a biopsy done. It was a few days later. And uh, the doctor, the, radiologist that did the biopsy I actually knew him I knew his sister because I did dance with her all my life and he he, I asked him when he was finished I said do you think what do you think and he said I've seen thousands of these and he said I want to tell you right now it doesn't look good and so I was like and so I immediately broke down in tears you know (laughs) like oh my god (laughs) you know don't tell me this so um Got the results back, and it did come back, and it was uh, breast cancer. It was estrogen and progesterone-driven breast cancer. Uh, so, of course, you know, I'm sure y'all hear these stories all the time. It just, 
you know, it sideswipes you. You're like, you know, it's like life after that is like life before cancer and life after. I mean, it just completely stops you in your tracks and you just rethink your whole existence. And I don't know, it's hard to explain, but you just fear is, is just, um, consumes your body, you know? And, uh, and so anyway, that was a big part of it. And I, I'd like to go into that part later because it, I think that fear is something that is a very important thing to overcome. And it, and it, yeah. And Nikki, if, if I just want to interrupt here, you make a very good point because we've talked to uh, hundreds of people who have had mm-hmm. cancer and when they're told they have a life threatening disease, the fear consumes them for a number of weeks. They can't think clearly. And that's why a lot of people put their health into the hands of a doctor instead of reevaluating themselves and taking the charge of yeah, their Yeah, because they're health. in a state of fear and they're in a state of shock. Right. That's Absolutely. right. Yeah, and, and like you do things when you're in fear mode that you probably wouldn't do otherwise. You're uh, susceptible to any kind of influence i mean especially a doctor and doctor holds they hold so much power over you you know uh they're the ones that give you the diagnosis and uh you know that's a whole nother story it's like i feel like (laughs) that when they diagnose people they need to take that into account that they really hold life in their hands because one drop of hope from my experience just goes a really long way and um so, yeah, definitely doctors need to realize that, that emotions affect the body in so many ways. Y'all probably know that. It's just... Uh, mm-hmm. <sighs> Nikki, why did you uh, opt for a double mastectomy? Okay, so after I digested everything, and I've had kids, I've got three wonderful kids, and I'm not planning on, I wasn't planning on having any more. I'm 53 now. And so I was kind of done with childbearing and raising. And so, so I just decided that instead of just taking one off, that I would just go ahead and do both because I didn't want to have to deal with it again in the future. Mm-hmm. So I was like, okay, I'll just get them both off and I'll be done with this and move on. <laughs> that was my that was my thought on it. <laughs> and uh, Now, after... After your mastectomy, when did the lung nodules appear? Okay, so after the surgery, uh, my surgeon basically took my case to an oncologist, and they took it before a board because, uh, well, let me just rewind here. I basically said no chemo, no radiation. I told them this up front. Every doctor I saw said I will not do, and I've always had that in the back of my mind, that I would not because... Um, I just felt like I'd seen enough cancer in my life and seemed like chemo was never, uh, well, it's not a cure. It, it's just basically palliative is what I've come to understand. Uh, it, people can come out ahead on the other side sometimes. I'm not downplaying it for some people, but I do believe that your immune system is the one that basically heals you in the end, you know, that's the one that's going to, that's what's going to cure you in the end. Um, Mm -hmm. So I didn't want to do chemo radiation. Uh, My, that surgeon 
took it before the oncology board in Jackson, Mississippi. They basically said she's she's good to go. We're we're she's doing great. She's no had no history of breast cancer. She tested negative for the BRCA gene. So, you know, we don't feel that that she needs a chemo and radiation if she doesn't want it. So done with that. So he encouraged me to go to the oncologist just to visit, just to talk to her. So I kind of went against my wishes. I, I really didn't want to be put into the system per se, you know, because it's like once you're cancer, once you get diagnosed with cancer, it's like everything's related to cancer from then on out. So, I, but I did agree to go see her and he said, well, she's on the more, um, I guess, lenient side. She did. She doesn't force chemo or radiation. She's, she's more patient oriented. So she, she tends to let you dictate how you want to have things done. So went to her and I really liked her. And so we scheduled a CAT scan because that was actually, you know, I did want a CAT scan at that point to just make sure that it was clear that there was no evidence of mm-hmm. cancer in my body at all. And so after that is when the lung, the lung nodules showed up. That's what revealed the lung nodules. And, um, you know, even they were really small. I'll say that they were like probably four to six, um, millimeters. So they weren't even really close to centimeter. She, she really thought that it was not breast cancer that had spread in my lungs because I had such a good outcome and the surgery and my lifestyle and, you know, my history. So we watched them. We watched the lung nodules. She just scanned me like every three to six months for about a year. And so they started kind of growing. And then one scan showed they shrunk and we were all happy doing the happy dance about that. And then they grew again. And so I finally, my, I guess my intuition just said, I'm ready to get a biopsy. I want to see what these things are made of. And so we scheduled the biopsy and sure enough, it was P it was PR. I'm sorry. The PR had fallen off of the driven, you know, what drive the cancer and it was only estrogen driven in my lungs. So this was a metastasis then? Yes. Yes. Okay. Um, so as you can imagine, whew, I was floored. I I think I had kind of started really preparing myself for that because of all the scans we had done. And it was just, I was like, you know, if this is, if this is not cancer, I don't know what it could be. Cause I, I mean, it was just kind of, they just popped up and they were growing and shrinking and then growing some more. And so, yeah, it was, and then of course it, it put me from, it took me from stage one, literally to stage four, like no stops in between straight to stage four. That must have been a terrible emotional shock for you. You dealt with uh, breast cancer, you had a double mastectomy, and all of a sudden you're stage four lung right. cancer. Oh, yeah. It was it was harder that, that time around to get the diagnosis because I knew what that meant. Hmm. I mean, stage four is terminal. And uh, I had to go through, I guess you call it the dark night of the soul. But it was like several nights mm-hmm. <laughs> of uh, just wrestling with the thought of death. And the thought, just 
there's so many emotions that go throughout your body that you don't you just don't know where the truth is you don't know what your truth is you don't know it's just there's just so many unknowns and and so i i took a trip to california to see a an integrative doctor and she put me on some pancreatic enzymes and some mistletoe injections because by that time i had started watching your show and uh chris work they were two they, they mm-hmm. your two shows were my biggest um catalyst i felt like to to get a plan for my healing um i can't count the number of cannabis sh- health radio shows i watched and listened to so many great testimonies and um you know that was my hope yeah, it's fantastic to hear. You said something in the notes that you sent us that I thought was very profound. Uh, it was that a very loud voice said to you, if you change your life, you will heal. Right. Tell us about that. Well, I guess for so many years, I was in, I was a single parent for a lot of years. And I had three wonderful kids, but it's just, it, it requires a lot. A lot. So, you know, I felt like I was just always stressed out, always, and I turned to, like, wine just every night and alcohol just to kind of numb myself to all of the stresses of life. Um, It was kind of like my time to relax and unwind from all the stresses of the day. So, you know, internally... I guess it's that little voice told me all along that you're, you're going down the wrong road. You know, you're not, and and I don't, I'm not saying that alcohol is a bad thing, but I think the way I was using it was to get a lot of stress relief. And I was just, I was using too much, you know? So, um, and then plus, and plus just the stress factor, just the way I thought was just very toxic. So uh, when I got the diagnosis, it was kind of like it hit me square in the face. Like, you either change now or you're you're coming home. (laughs) And so I had to really ask myself a lot of hard questions. Like, do I really want to live? And what what am I willing, what am I willing to do to live? Um, And and am I willing? Yeah, those are very those are very good questions to ask. Yeah, yourself. and 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 am I willing to do what it takes to live? Because once you get da- mm-hmm. go down that road of just it was a habit, you know, because every your thoughts become your habits, and so anyway, um, I went like I said, it was many nights of just wrestling with my mind. And, are, and and is it worth it? You know, will it even help? I mean, because when you hear a stage four, you think, well, no, whatever I do, it, it may not make a difference. You know, still. But in the end, I decided very emphatically that I wanted to live, and I was going to do whatever it took to live, and to and to do it without killing my body even more and hurting my body and my immune system. So I had to figure out a way to incorporate uh, even some mainstream medicines, which I I think I mentioned that I'm on 
but they're very there's a very low uh, side effect profile with them. So um, anyway, where was I going with that? <laughs> I can't remember. Okay, so um, getting through the diagnosis um, and deciding I was going to do everything it took. You know, I, I listened to your shows. I listened to everyone, especially the breast cancer shows that you had people on. Uh, mm-hmm. I listened to Chris Wark and his, and some of you had the same people on the show. So it was very interesting. And um, so I took a lot of the information from your shows, your the testimonies and your shows and Chris Wark's. And I immediately just started I guess the first thing, clean eating, you know, I thought I ate clean, but I really didn't. I ate a lot of processed things. I, I didn't, you know, when you kind of analyze your everything that you've done up until that point, you see that, you know, even chicken, meat, I mean, it has all kinds of hormones and antibiotics in it that can affect your system, that get built up in your system. So that was the first thing I did was really cut out meat. Um went pretty much plant-based and then I found a source for cannabis um, which I'm not going to mention who it is but anyway because I don't live in a legal state but I've had to be creative about getting my medicine that way Um, Mm -hmm. I started taking cannabis like I started it was cannabis oil the black tar looking stuff in the syringe and I started out with like a rice grain, like they recommend. And I think I built up to probably half a gram a day. And it, it, I was switching from like shishka berry was the main strain that I used. It was a good mix of, uh, I think, THC to CBD. I'm not sure exactly what the ratios are, um, but that's what I, that was the strain of preference for me. How many times a day would you take it, Nikki? I was only taking it at night because okay. it just made me sleep <laughs> so yeah. much. And and I will, I'll be honest with you, that's a, I've had the best sleep ever since take since I started cannabis. And I used to never sleep. I mean, it was a good it was a good day if I had, if I got like four hours of sleep because I'm just not a very heavy sleeper. Nikki, that's not no, good. It's not, and you know that I think they, that no, plays a part yeah. in can, in, uh, cancer proliferation as well. From what I've learned, is it sleep? So, what were you sleeping about eight, ten hours a day? Yeah, when I started taking cannabis, yes, yes. So um, that was very instrumental. I felt, you know, when you when you get a good night's sleep, when you're rested, when you're well rested, you can think more clearly. Mm-hmm. And, and when you think more co- clearly, you can make better decisions, you know, and especially in my situation, I felt like I needed a plan, like my own plan that I could work. And um, does that make sense? Well, it sounds like you developed a plan uh, and your plan was to change your eating habits, which is mm-hmm. excellent. And the second uh Part of your plan was to consume cannabis, which would uh, help your body. So you were on the road to recovery. How long before you really noticed that the cannabis was working for you, in addition to your diet? Yeah. Um, Well, 
probably six months into, or maybe, well, I got a lot of benefits before six months because just sleeping was a huge benefit for me. And um, so I guess about six months later, though, I'm trying to think back to my timeline. So I got the second diagnosis in 2018, the middle of 2018. Um, and then I started taking the cannabis. So let's see, 2019. See, I just got my clear scan in 2020. So, and in the middle of that, I mean, I was, I was, cannabis was consistent for me. Right. And let me just kind of, I'm just going to kind of, go down this road of uh, other ways that cannabis helped me because again, going back to the mental part of it, you know, the, the cannabis helped me to relax and, and think clearly. And so that was something I was not, had not been a part of my life. I mean, I had just been kind of living out of my head <laughs> for so many years and just reacting to everything. And so when you, when you, take cannabis you can tend to you know it relaxes you and you can again I, I feel like I'm being redundant but it, it, it allows you to think clearly so um you know Nikki it sounds to me like uh what the cannabis was doing for you uh I suspect and I, my terminology will be all wrong here but let, let me throw it out to you your body was really on fire because you were under stress you weren't sleeping to give your body a chance to right. heal and uh you were consuming food that wasn't good for you that your body had to fight with right. and as a result of consuming cannabis you got a good night's right. sleep you changed your mm -hmm. diet uh, to help your your body recover and the cannabis was relaxing right. you right which you which you desperately needed over probably a number of decades, given the fact that you were a competitive, uh, uh, a fitness right. competitor over the years. So all of these things combined just gave your body a chance to heal right. yourself. Does it does make, make sense? sense. And, you know, we had these scans every, I want to say it was every three, three months, and, and like she started scanning me every six months once we, they, they kind of stabilized. But I tend to think that the cannabis helped stabilize them because they never grew. My, my lung nodules never grew past like 1.4 centimeters or 14 millimeters. So, I mean, there's mm -hmm. no evidence to show that. But, you know, mostly when you, when it's, when cancer spreads, it gets more aggressive. And uh, with, in my case, it did not. It, it kind of stayed, it was stable pretty much. I mean, it grew a little bit here and there, but it, it remained pretty stable throughout. Was your doctor, was your doctor Nikki, aware that you were doing oil? Yes. My oncologist in Jackson was aware, and she even notated it in my file. Was she supportive? You know, she was, I guess you could say she was, but she never really wanted to hear about it. She, she never wanted to hear, she would tell me, she said, you're my, you're my best patient. She said, there's people out in the waiting room that will give their, that would give their right arm for you to be you. But, you know, even with that said, she never wanted to know what I was doing, you know, and, and I think 
it's because, you know, doctors, the hands are so tied with FDA, they can't. So afraid they'll lose their license. Yeah. Right. That's right. Yeah. But your oncologist said something really interesting. Uh, We can usually stop it from progressing, the lung cancer, and stabilize it for Mm -hmm. a while. But we never see anyone go from stage four to no evidence of disease. And that was my second oncologist. My first one. Oh, that was your what okay, happened to the so first I one? switched because we just started really butting heads. I just felt like she was condescending towards me too much. And, you know, I, I'm not, I said to my husband, I said, I'm not a dummy. I said, I want to partner my health, not somebody that's just going to, that I feel like I've been beaten up every time I walk out the door. <laughs> and um, so I had gotten some some friends had told me about a, a doc a oncologist here in my home, my own hometown that I should just con- get a consultation with. And so I did. And she would, and it's like when I first met her, I said, I just want to know just before we even go further that you're going to be my partner and you're not going to dictate and you're going to make, you want to let me, you know, do what I'm doing. And I said, I've, I've researched everything that I'm doing on the side. I said, so if you can handle that, then we'll be good. You know, cause I just, I had dealt with my other oncologist, you know, every time I would mention anything natural, she would almost laugh at me. And, you know, as a cancer patient, mm. you know, you don't want to feel we're fighting for our lives. you know, <laughs> And it, yeah, you don't you don't want to be yeah, belittled. It was, it was not a joke to me, you know. And I would. It's just like, for instance, I was taking turkey tail mushrooms, and I read lots of evidence that it uh, helped to stop or slow the spread spread of cancer, and it built up your T cells. So to me, that's pretty mm-hmm. big stuff. So you know, I mentioned that to her, but she just she literally cackled. <laughs> and, yeah, and um. So anyway, because I incorporate, like my approach to my cancer has been not only cannabis, but many, many um, modalities, I guess, and and natural supplements that are proven. I kind of just took a blanket approach, if that makes any sense. Yeah, mind, body, spirit. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, Because I was... Nikki, how is your uh, how is your husband been through all this? Oh, he's been my rock, literally. He's he's a pilot. He's a commercial pilot. So you know, I always taught him. I was like, you're 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 always the calm, steady one flying through a storm. You know, he's one of the best pilots I think around. And I said, that's what you've been for me. You know, you've been my steady because when I was freaking out and you know just feeling like my feet weren't even touching the ground and he grounded me and, and the rest of my family were mm-hmm. wonderful too. But yeah, he's been such a, a rock for me. And that, I think that's very important as well to have a support system that says, Hey, you're, you're doing the right thing and just keep on doing it. You know, no matter what the doctor, however, she may make fun of you or whatever, you're doing the right thing. He just was like my stay the course person. 
Yeah, that's uh, that's very important because when Corey and I first started this uh, podcast four years ago, and we we quit for two years, but in uh, in the early part of it, we interviewed this woman who was only on the podcast for about fifteen minutes. She was an elderly woman, and um, we kind of saved it for a bit because we thought we'd tie it in with another one. But she had some uh, serious cancerous issues. Corey, can you remember what? Yeah, you know who along I'm with mets to the brain and yeah, brain and exactly. bones or brain and liver, one of the two. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and she was doing really, really well on cannabis oil, but her family talked her mm-hmm. out of it, and so she stopped and she wow. died. Yeah, she did. Brain radiation, and, and she died, I think, was the story. Yeah, That's right, yeah. So you need a support group behind you who believe in right. you, who, um, who, I mean, you've done some incredible research, as it has a number of people that we've mm-hmm. talked to, and you know intuitively what's right for your yeah. body. Nobody else knows that, but Definitely. you do. Nikki, Def- do you continue to yeah. uh, take cannabis oil now that you're clear? I do. Good girl. I well, I will continue it forever. You know, not only for my cancer, but for sleep and for my mental, um, just my mental state. Mental, mental well-being. well-being. Yes. Yeah. And I will say this about what you, you just mentioned about belief. I heard you say that word belief. And, you know, I'm, I firmly believe that whatever you believe in will work will work for you. Does that make sense? <laughs> yes. Because if you're doubting it, then your body kind of does its own thing. It kind of, it, it's kind of like you're going back to that mind, body, spirit connection. You know, if you're saying one thing and believing another, your body's confused. And, but if you're, if you're total in uh, complete alignment with what you're believing that's going to work, I feel like your body just kind of falls in line with that and, and, and commits to healing. Um, you know, I, I w- I've always been adamant about no chemo. I don't judge anybody for taking chemo, of course, but I just felt like it was not the right thing for me. And um, mm-hmm. I think that just like Ian said, if you, you just have to get very comfortable and know your body, know yourself. And, you know, when you're in fear mode, that's kind of hard to do. So that's why it's so important to work through that mentally. You know, Nikki, when, when uh, people have lung cancer, Corey has, has talked to a number of them. And uh, one of the best ways to deal with it, uh, correct me if I'm wrong, Corey, is uh, they take the cannabis through, they take it rectally through suppository. Mm-hmm. Have you ever I done have. that? I have. Uh, yeah. yeah. You don't get, you don't get no, high. you don't. And, you know, and I've heard there's a lot of really good benefits from taking it like that. But uh, I didn't do a whole lot like that. I mostly took it by mouth. But, yeah, there were a few because I was incorporating everything from coffee enemas. And, you know, I was just doing it all, <laughs> I felt like. Yeah. 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 Um, you no, know, it's like it's stage four is a big deal. So I feel like you, you really just, and especially hormone driven, you know, that's kind of a tricky one. Mm-hmm. So I feel like it's like all hands on deck, really. Yeah. You have to throw everything you've got at it. Yes. 
definitely. So like the, the mistletoe injections, the pancreatic enzymes, which, you know, the pancreatic, pancreatic enzymes I was able to get on Amazon. So they're very easy to get. Um, I will tell you, I'll, I'll tell you about this too. I incorporated some off-label label medications from a book. I don't know if I need to say it on air, but uh, it was a book I read. And it was incorporating, the lady had used various off-level label medications to starve her cancer, but they were very cheap, safe ones. And so I started uh, trying to find some metformin and some propanolol. Those were two that starves a cancer pathway. And through her book, I learned that cannabis actually starves the MMP-2 pathway. Are y'all, are y'all familiar with that? No. Yeah, it's a it's a. Corey, maybe I'm not. I'm not. No. Yeah, I mean I wasn't no. either, <laughs> but I know that it's part of the, I guess the metabolic pathway because cancer has to thrive, and and so you give it oxygen, and it can't thrive because it's anaerobic. Um, but the cannabis blocks or helps block that MMP dash two pathway, and I don't know if it's a. I can't remember if it's um, like a glutamine pathway. There's all kinds of different pathways. Yeah. I had a conversation. I mean, this sounds familiar because I had a conversation with Dr. Bob Melamede the other day and he'd be right over all of this. And, uh, but it's a little over my head. (laughs) Right. Yeah. Yeah, Bob gets very technical. Yeah. You know, you know, as far as cannabis too, I, I just thought about this. Since cancer does thrive on in an anaerobic environment, cannabis has allowed me to breathe more deeply. Like it's amazing how you realize how you're not getting good deep breaths in until you take cannabis, and it just completely opens up your chest. And you know, and in my mind, I wonder like if that has helped me as well because if oxygen is getting to the tissues then that's healing. Yeah. Nikki, I love your story. It's a fantastic story of uh, breast cancer, lung cancer, you taking control of your health. And I, Corey and I both greatly appreciate you for telling the story and uh, keep up the good work. I so appreciate you having me on your show and I'll continue to watch your episodes because I learn something new every time, you know, and, and I think that's key is just getting the knowledge to take care of yourself and do what's right for you. Right. So, Thanks. Thank, thank you, you so much, Nikki. Thank you too. Y'all have a great day. At Cannabis Health Radio, we'd like to thank our listeners for supporting us and sharing our podcasts with others who would benefit from these testimonials about the healing power of cannabis. And you can do it. Uh, Just send um, a friend some information about Cannabis Health Radio, and uh, you never know. You can save another person's life, which is probably why we do this podcast. Well, I know it's why we do this podcast. So more and more and more people around the world can hear about the benefits of the daily use of cannabis. And also, uh, don't forget that we have a YouTube channel and share that with others who you think may be interested. And uh, on our 
YouTube channel, we have over 9,000 subscribers now, and we want to hit 10,000 by the end of the summer, by the end of August. So help us out and do that. And if you'd like to contribute to Cannabis Health Radio, you can do so for as little as $5 a month on Patreon or on our website, CannabisHealthRadio.com. You can make a one-time donation, and we greatly appreciate anyone who wants to do that. And for those who have done that, we thank you very, very much. And we'll be back next week with another edition of Cannabis Health Radio. Thanks for listening to Cannabis Health Radio. For more information and to search previous podcasts, visit our website, CannabisHealthRadio.com. Subscribe so you don't miss new episodes. And follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. This podcast is made possible by donations from our listeners. If you found the information helpful, please consider making a donation in any amount through our website. You can also help us share our message by leaving a review on your podcast listening platform. We are very grateful for your support. Thank you. Thanks for listening to today's show. To check out more great cannabis podcasts, go to podconnects.com. Here's a preview of one of our other shows. I'm Larry Mishkin, and I'd like to invite you to join Rob Hunt and me on our weekly podcast, The Deadhead Cannabis Show. Each week, we explore the latest cannabis and jam band news and reminisce with other deadheads and jam band lovers about the great musical acts that we've seen and heard. Check out a new episode every Monday.